Welcome, it's Jeremy Allen Gould. I'm coming to you today to confirm between God and of man that in fact, the rumors that you have all heard are true. I started this podcast because I freaking love music. I was privileged enough to book amazing artists and bands in the past, and I was lucky enough to stay in touch with many of them to this day. This is a place to hear their stories. Thank you so much for riding along on this journey, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. With that said, the rumors are definitely true. Thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of the Rumors Are True podcast. My name is Jeremy, and today I welcome Don Clark. You know Don from the bands Training for Utopia, Demon Hunter, as well as his artistic outfit, Asterix Studio, and Invisible Creature. Awesome conversation with an incredibly gifted individual. I'm, I'm really stoked on this episode. It's just been an honor to have him on. Got to meet him uh, backstage at Furnace Fest, and he's been so kind and so awesome. So, uh, you know, I hope you enjoy this latest episode with Don Clark. Don, thank you so much for coming on my podcast, man. I, I really appreciate your time. You got it. No problem. I'm a uh, pleasure to be here. Awesome. Tell, tell me what is going on in your life currently. What, what do you got going on in your world? Uh, gosh, a lot. It's been a kind of a tumultuous uh, year, um, just family illnesses and my mother passing away. Mm. And it just, yeah, it's been a, it's been a wild ride, but uh, I am very, very blessed. I'm a, I'm a father to three kids, uh, 19, 17 and 11. We have a small hobby farm outside of Seattle. Uh, we're really busy with that, and uh, my girls all ride horses. My son and I play music, um, and I we have a, a studio out here on the farm, and um, we do music here. We do uh, design. That's awesome. And my bro- my brother lives a mile down the street, and <laughs> um, so yeah, I, it, all things considered, um, it's it, you know I, I have a um, I'm a very lucky dude. That's awesome. That's, yeah. I love hearing that. That's cool. Um, let's talk about. You growing up, um, 
you know, how music kind of came into your life and maybe some influences, some bands, some records that kind of put you on the trajectory uh, that you've been on? Yeah, so we kind of, let's see, we grew up in Central Oregon until I was about 14 and my brother was 10. And then we moved to uh, the suburbs of Sacramento, this town called Elk Grove, which there was nothing really going on. It was just sea, a sea of houses as far as you can see. Uh, and still is that is to, to this day, it's, it's you know, even bigger. So uh, we didn't have a, you know, there wasn't a lot to do. And I think, I think if the story is right, uh, my brother was the first to get a hardcore album, and I'm pretty sure it was Focused, <laughs> which is, you know, you know, we're, we're, we grew up in a Christian home, and, you know, it was like uh, there's certain, like, say, you know, things that were safe and things that were not that we could sure. have as kids. Um, and that was kind of the segue into Tooth and Nail, which kind of, you know, opened our minds to, like, oh, wow, there's, like, you know, uh, this kind of cool extreme music that's being put out by uh, believers. And um, so I think that, if I'm not mistaken, that was the first foray into like hardcore. And then we, yeah, then came Victory Records and New Age and, you know, all this stuff. And um, so my brother's first band was called Focal Point. Yes, Actually, he was, in, great band. he was in a few bands. Yeah, he was in a few bands before uh, that were just kind of playing around the neighborhood. And then, Focal Point um, was the first kind of serious band. Then they got signed to Tooth and Nail, and it was like a dream come true. It was like, yeah. holy crap. Um, Jason Stinson from Overcome discovered Focal Point <laughs> back in the Love day. Love that. They, I, they I just had together. him on. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, he, he's, uh, his episode's coming out this Friday, actually. Oh, nice. I love Jason. We, yeah, we he's great. Talk. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think Overcome and Focal Point played a show together in L.A., and then Jason called Brandon Ebel and... Um, said you gotta you gotta check out this band focal point um and so yeah i was essentially at that time i was just kind of like a older brother into hardcore with my brother with my younger brother and the neighborhood kids and we kind of we started our own little you know hardcore scene in elk grove um cool. there's probably like 10 of us and we'd <laughs> go to all the shows to we go to san francisco we drive to la um so yeah and then uh I got into more like Coalesque and kind of, you know, uh, noisier bands, Neurosis, Today is the Day, yeah. Dead Guy, and stuff like that. And so that's the birth of Training for Utopia. So, yeah, four years later, let's see, no, 1996, like a year or two later, TFU got signed. So, yeah, it was all like a big, you know, couldn't believe it. Dream come true, you know, Brandon Ebel called us, left a message on our parents' machine, like, I'd love to sign you guys, you know, just crazy wow. stuff. So as a, as a young, you know, 16 years, let's see, so Ryan was 16 when he got signed. I was like 21 when I got signed. So, wow. uh, yeah, but anyways, that's the, that's the early years um, of kind of just like getting into music. Um, you know, we didn't. Ryan and I weren't the type of guys that would just sit in our room and learn how to play, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin songs. We wanted to just, we wanted to be in a band. We wanted to tour yeah. and put out records. And um, we were never the the best guitar players ever. It was just like you know we want to we want to make this kind of music. We want to tour and 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 yeah. make you know make albums. So yeah, that's cool. Where uh, when did you start playing guitar? And and uh, I guess when did you I guess both start playing guitar? I guess you should say. 
And then, um, you know, just a side note, you said you grew up in a home with the safe and not safe. When you were listening to some of the bands that might not be safe, how were your, how, how'd your parents take that? Was that something? Yeah. That- no, they were cool. I was, they were super awesome. And they like, you know, they, their whole thing was, um, you know, we're just, they were more interested in, in who we were going to be as opposed to like what we we're going to do with our, sure. you know, with our careers. And, you know, we were, we were pretty, uh, we, we got in our fair share of trouble, but we were pretty like decent kids, I think. And so they, they were cool with stuff. Um, uh, oddly enough, I think, I think training got signed like four months after I ever picked up a guitar. Wow. <laughs> Which is like, if you listen to Training for Utopia, that's not a shock. It's just, it's just, it's just chaos. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty soon after. And my brother, yeah, I mean, he had been playing, I think since he was like 13 or something like that. So, um, but yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So let's talk about training for Utopia. You mentioned kind of uh, how that kind of was a whirlwind or, or something that you dreamed of. Uh, what kind of and obviously you, you mentioned the bands Coalesce and Dead Guy and all that. So it obviously influenced that that band. Yeah, pretty pretty yeah. well. So like kind of what what uh, were the steps for the band to come together and kind of what was your uh, process like? Yeah, I was just kind of you know writing weird dissonant chord progressions and, you know, just weird riffs and stuff. And that was the kind of stuff I was listening to. And it was also like, I felt like, oh, I can actually like write this kind of stuff. Whereas some of the more straightforward hardcore, um, I don't know, I think I had more trouble with it, probably because I wasn't the best guitar player. Um, Yeah. So I started doing that, started just making songs and riffs and kind of um, recruited neighborhood friends to be in the band. And um, there was another guy named Rob Denler, who was an old friend of mine, a uh, friend of ours that had moved from Los Angeles to Sacramento. Uh, he was a hardcore kid. And so he was the original singer, um, of TFU. And then he ended up leaving and my brother kind of filled his spot once focal point, uh, disappeared. Focal point went on one tour and just kind of fizzled out. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then that's, that was exciting. Cause it was like, you know, I got to, being a band with my brother and we were a great, great, uh, creative writing team. And, um, yeah, that's kind of what started that all. Yeah. Um, what, where did the name come from? I've always been curious. It came from the movie swing kids, which is yeah, Christian, Christian Bale. Um, and it is the name of a song in the score. Okay. So yeah. Uh, and our old friend Rob came up with the name. I think at the time, like we were so into like, you know, rockabilly and swing kids, like yeah. s- swingers. You know what I mean? Like that a great whole, movie. Great the whole fifties kind of. We were, you know, <laughs> we used to pompadour our hair when we had hair, um, and you know, like wearing creepers and stuff. So I think yeah. it, it fell fell right in line with what we were into. Nice, nice. Um, let's. So once you saw signed sign a solid state, did you already have the falling cycle EP done, or or is that something? Did they just wind up putting yeah. it out? Is that kind of how that yeah, happened? Yeah, that's our demo. That we just put out our demo, and it was on cassette, unironically on cassette. And um, Brandon was like, "Well, why don't we just repackage that and rename it and uh, put that out as your first EP?" So yeah, we did. How do you looking back on it? How do you feel about that that record or that EP? I honestly, I yeah, I think that that is. Um, 
you know, we played it front to back at Furnace Fest. I think it's like the purest, best form of TFU. I think the other records, um, we tried to kind of, I don't know, we tried to go in certain directions that um, uh, I don't, didn't work as well as I would have liked now listening back. There's definitely songs on those records that I like. Um, but TFU, but uh, the falling cycle was just like, here's the first four songs we ever wrote. It's just raw. The mix is yeah. terrible. And, you know, <laughs> he, he, you know, here it is. Um, so, so I think that's that's going to always probably be my favorite thing we did. That's cool. Awesome. I was going to ask you that at some point anyway. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's awesome. So how long after that? Uh, you obviously put that out. Do you go on the road pretty quickly? Um, and how's that going? And when do you start maybe working on Plastic Soul Impalement? Yeah, let's see. Falling Cycle. I don't think we went on the road for Falling Cycle. After that came out, played some shows, probably played L.A., just kind of like around yeah, uh, California. And then it was time to get, you know, to do the the full length, which is like super exciting. And we got to, you know, record in L.A. for a month with Brian Carlstrom, who, wow. you know, who engineered like Alice in Chains and all kinds of big records and um the studio is amazing it's just like you know we we were like on cloud nine um then that when that came out is when we did like a full u.s tour with um warlord maybe no warlord we just did a few sh oh yes no you're right because <laughs> it was supposed to come to denver and, and you guys got yeah okay I'm, so, I I'm getting so old yes it was, <laughs> it was with warlord um and Jesse uh, Smith, who was the old drummer yeah, for Mayo, yeah. yeah, he was our roadie, so he came wow. with us. Um, and then, yeah, so we did that. We only did one full tour, and then we did a like a half tour out to Cornerstone, um, and that was it. That was all the, you know, I think we probably played like uh, 40, 50 shows total, you know. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's cool it's crazy at the same well, time like if you go back and watch the old videos it is just like we're going insane you can't even make out what we're playing it's just like you know it's just chaos um and that was like something you know that was just like par for the course yeah. for band back then um yeah. but so at furnace fest it's funny like th 20 some years later it's like we're not going to go as crazy, but I it sounded better than it ever has sounded. Sure. That's cool. No, that makes uh, complete sense. But there's just no way that, like, we can do what we did back then. Like, my oh, back. Yeah. yeah I, I, yeah. Get I get it. I get it. <laughs> so let's go back to Plastic Soul Impalement real quick. Just, um, I know you said, you mentioned Brian Karlstrom. What an awesome experience. So maybe talk about that record, kind of looking back on it and what it was like for you and maybe the reception for it. Uh, yeah, it was, we were super into, we got super into neurosis and, uh, today is the day. Um, so it's a little bit more, um, it's not as hardcore, I think, as like the first EP. I don't know if that's the right term, but like, we really tried to get a little bit, you know, trying to get a little darker and, and atmospheric, I guess. Sure. Um, and yeah, the mix is kind of whatever. Like it's, we've never had. I, honestly, this new song we put out is probably the best sounding song we've ever done, um, uh, uh, sonically, you know, recorded. But sure. Um, yeah, definitely got tried to get a little bit more cryptic and spooky. And I think like yeah, the reception was pretty pretty great. As you know, as, as far as I can remember. Um, the, the, we were we were pretty pleased with the record overall. Um, and again, for us, it was just like, wow, someone's paying for us to, you know, make a <laughs> length at a legit studio in Burbank. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, 
so yeah, we couldn't, we, we had no complaints. We were, that's you know, awesome. Yeah. So what did, uh, what do you think solid state thought of it? I think they liked it. I don't remember anyone like disappointed in it at all um, from the label. I think the next, at, like after the split with Zayo, the last record we did was definitely like out of, you know, out, out of, uh, out in left field. Like it was definitely like we we're, we wanted to like do some weird stuff on the last record. Um, and, but no, we never, the label never asked us to change anything or, you yeah. know, rethink stuff. And, you know, we were not like hardcore bands don't have singles, so there's yeah. not, you know, it's just no, like I get do, it. do your thing. Yeah. 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 Um, so after that, uh, you mentioned Zayo, Jesse from Zayo, you know, obviously do the split with them, which is fantastic as yeah. well. How, how did that kind of come up? Yeah, we were just good buddies with Zayo. We had played some shows with them and we thought, oh, gosh, it'd be cool to do a split. We'd always wanted to do that. And uh, yeah, that those two songs, actually, I love uh, as well. Those are just like extremely complicated and weird you know long, super long <laughs> song we played one of them at furnace fest the other one we just couldn't even grasp but um yeah that was fun little experiment um and yeah again more like his hero is gone neurosis today yeah. we were listening to a lot of carp you know like so um yeah i think we wore our influences on our sleeves like all the time actually so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no shame in that, man. No yeah. shame. Um, so awesome. Yeah. So then after that EP, again, it sounds like you didn't tour much, play much shows. So, you know, you start working on throwing a wrench in the American music machine. And you, like you mentioned as well, that it's going to be different. It's going to be yeah. not not the norm. Like what, what kind of the, uh, came into the mindset of, of putting that record together? And let's, maybe your thoughts and memories from that time. Yeah, well, we were list Ryan and I were listening to a lot of like electronic and pop and stuff and like obscure, you know, uh, Chemical Brothers, Atari Teenage Riot, uh, yeah. Nine Inch Nails, and Refused had put out their, um, you know, Shape of Punk. So that was like different. They were mixing in with some electronic stuff. And we were like, let's just do something completely outside the box. And we actually uh, came into the studio with only like, maybe five songs and told, and we basically told our friend Eric who produced all that stuff, um, just do whatever you want. Like basically take, here's some, here's some like blueprints of songs and you can just chop it up and make it weird. And he did. And so there's only, I think there's like three actual songs in kind of more the original form, uh, on that record. And the rest are just like chopped up. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, that one is for sure the one that pe people I thought were, I think were like, wait, what is this? Like, what are you guys <laughs> trying to do? And we, you know, at the time we we're like, oh man, that's going to, like, people are going to totally get it. And it's going to, and I don't know if they ever did. I think that there's some good songs in there. It's just also just like, when I look back, I do think I too kind of get like, it feels like we phoned it in a little bit for sure mm. that that record because I had just gotten married and I I was kind of like set my sights on you know different aspects of life sure. and stuff so you know, yeah I think that um, people people genuinely do love that record we do get like a lot of like comments on that record in 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 a, in uh, positive forms but um, yeah I think like that record was kind of like a definitely an experiment. 
Yeah. Uh, what did the label think of that as well? Were they kind of like caught off guard at all, or they thought it was cool? They, I, you know, it's it was so long ago. It's hard to um, like remember sure. the actual conversations we had because that was 1999. But um, yeah, I don't remember anything like like no. I don't remember any complaints or anything. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um. So. After that record comes out, it was kind of the end of the band, essentially. Uh, maybe kind of talk me through what maybe led to that, and and maybe obviously starting into starting Asterix Studio is that kind of maybe the per- precursor to that. Yeah, it's kind of that was kind of a whirlwind, like two years or whatever. But yeah, so I had like met my wife, and we uh, I moved to Arizona to be closer to her, and we got so we got engaged. We actually got engaged on a TFU tour on the on on the on the tour in seattle she used to work for tooth and nail and um so i moved to arizona after she moved back from seattle back to her home in phoenix and then uh we got married like six months later or something like that and yeah i was just kind of like you know i kind of got to the point where i needed to you know, I need to get my stuff together. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't just be in this hardcore band and work part time and be a husband and a dad. So um, it kind of fizzled out. Uh, the rest of the Ryan and I um, moved to Seattle. So yeah, this this is crazy. This all happened like in two years. Um, met my wife in Seattle. She moves to Phoenix. Uh, I moved to Phoenix to be close to her. We moved to Sacramento for about a year, and then I get a job offer in Seattle. <laughs> so like, so then Ryan and I and my wife, my new wife, moved to Seattle. I got a, uh, you know, we got, I got a great like dot uh, com design job, and that that's really what like set uh, the next twenty three years in motion was our new life in Seattle. Um, uh, Ryan was just working at a record label and I said, Hey, like, you know, I got this job offer in Seattle with a buddy of mine. Um, and like, do you want to move? Like, you know, there's nothing, not a whole lot going on in Sacramento. And he piled in the moving van with us and we, wow. we came up here. So, um, so TFU kind of fizzled out and then, yeah, we, we get a dot, dot com job, you know, paying more than I've ever made at that time. And, um, lost that job in six months after like you know the company ran out of money wow and um got another kind of tech job design graphic design job at a tech company that lasted six months um and then at that point my buddy and i my buddy dimitri he's a designer as well um and my brother we we go to brandon and we say hey you know, what if we started a company and we did like X amount of records for you and we do it real cheap, but you kind of help us get us on our feet. Sure. And it took a little bit of like arm twisting, but he said yes. And the rest is history. I mean, we we moved into Tooth and Now Records. We had a little office um, downstairs. Wow. And for five years, we did almost every record that came out of Tooth & Nail with my brother uh, as the art director at the label. So so Dimitri and I started Asterix. My brother went to go work at Tooth & Nail in-house uh, in the art department, but the three of us were Asterix. So it's just kind of okay. a weird... Yeah, he was being paid by them, and we were, we were basically like a glorified, you know... Well, we were a design studio, but we were freelancers. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, that's the beginning of Asterisk. And then uh, to, yeah. So I'm sure you'll ask about Demon Hunter, but that's that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we'll right around that time too. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in just a moment. What just looking back on the Asterisk, and I know it kind of uh, you know bleeds into Invisible Creature somewhat. But what are some of your favorite record covers and and things you worked on um, at that time? Well, the cool, the the really like thing that the cool thing that we didn't really think about was that these bands on Tooth and Nail were were pretty big, and you know we were. We were automatically thrust into the the you know the the bigger world of punk and metal and 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 you know even pop and and indie by doing a lot of these records and and other bands would see these albums and so um, it went from working on a lot of tooth and nail stuff to like every other label wanted to work with us and so we we worked with every single you know indie you can imagine um, crazy and. Then that that became major label work, you know. So we started getting a lot of work with major labels, and um, we were able to work with a lot of bands we love. I mean, yeah. I mean, you ask like our favorite. It's it's really it's hard because there's bands that are really great to work with, and you know we could kind of we had a lot more creative freedom with their albums, um, and then there's bands that were like really big that were a little bit more difficult sure. but like we're able you know we did we worked on Foo Fighters album which was actually really unbelievable great. yeah we were able to that was a that was a win-win because it was like you know a huge band and also like um creatively they let us do our thing did they come to you for that yeah wow yeah that and I mean that was such a huge thing like when I got the call to work on that it was just like Again, it was like one of those like bucket lists. It wasn't even on my bucket list. I never would have thought I'd work on something for them. What do you think they saw that made them want to come to you? They so we actually had like a mutual friend, our buddy, uh, growing up. He had gone to like work with them in some capacity, and he kind of like mentioned our name. So they saw our stuff, and you know, I don't even know if the band saw our stuff. I think it, it could have been the management. Just yeah, you know, yeah, these guys would be a good fit. Um, so Ryan and I flew down and met with the band um, at Studio 606. We were there Jeez. for like a couple hours. Yeah, it was awesome. I and, <laughs> and yeah, and then that's the last like time we ever like saw them. I mean, I think the manager handled everything after that. It was I remember getting finished with the cover and they just like showed Dave and it was like, here's your cover. And he was like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, there's no, <laughs> It's weird. It was, we were, it, was so, it was so foreign to us. Cause we were so used to working with the bands and sure. sure. And uh, so, yeah, lots of cool, you know, hardcore bands we were able to work with um, earth crisis, poison, the wells. I mean, so yeah. many cool, like um, uh, opportunities and just, yeah, lots of fun. It's the what foundation that, for everything. What did that feel like for you? Did that feel pretty validating? Did that feel like, I mean, oh, that yeah. had to be incredible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was everything. You know, having other bands uh, respect the stuff that we did on, you know, for Tooth and & Nail and then wanting to call us. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was the foundation for everything we're doing now. I mean, the fact, you know, I attribute our so much of our success to just, like, Brandon giving us the opportunity to... Sure work on these records and you know he had an art department at the time he didn't need to to hire dimitri and i um and but he did and um yeah forever grateful awesome very cool yeah. 
So you did that for five years, and you mentioned Demon Hunter. Uh, I guess did Asterix essentially end and then Invisible Creature began, or was it just kind of – is that kind of how that happened? Uh, so Asterix and Demon Hunter kind of like started around the same time. So uh, 2001 is when Demon Hunter started. I think the record came out in 2002, and that was that was us just kind of like, hey, it'd be cool to do like a – you know, like a really well produced, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, modern American like thrash metal band. Like we loved Machine Head and Sepultura sure. and Fear Factory and Slipknot, and so um, it started off as just a project. Like, let's not even say who it's. You know, who's who's in the band? Let's just do like a cryptic photo yeah. and stuff. And uh, the people really loved it. So, and then yeah. that, that became like, it became a, a really big deal and it became something that we really want to take serious. And so, yeah, I was in the band for eight years, I think. Um, but that was all kind of happening. The inception was happening right along the inception of Asterix. And so we would actually shut down the studio when we go on tour and it, it, it was fine while it lasted. But then once like we started having I was the first guy in the band to start having kids. It was just like really difficult yeah. to, to do that. Um, no, that makes sense. You know, shut down the studio, then go on the road. Um, so yeah, I left in 2008. Um, the band started, I'm sorry, Invisible Creature started in 2006. So kind of the, the tail end of your that time. Yeah. yeah my, my, my daughter, my oldest daughter was four. My son was two when I when I left Demon Hunter. Um, so yeah, it was just getting it was it was awesome because there's so many like little successes happening at once. But it was just became it became. Oh, I get it. I get it. And we'll talk about Invisible in a little bit. I was just curious on the on the yeah. timeline. Um, well, let's talk about Demon Hunter. You you mentioned the crypticness, the uh, influences, Meshuga, the you know the th American thrash. Talk me through how the band kind of came together and um, and then, you know, being hidden or being under the mask. What was that like? Yeah, it was uh, it was freeing because no one knew who we were and we could kind of do whatever. I, so it started with us like in the parking lot of Tooth and Nail one night, just like joking around about band names and like if we did this and that's how Demon Hunter, the name was born. We were just okay. kind of like, you know blatant you know what would be like a cool super blatant like christian metal band or whatever so um it was like so jesse smith was there that night when we were talking about it so he you know we th talked about him playing drums and wow um it, it but it was yeah it was basically my brother and i jesse fell out and then uh we recorded that with aaron sprinkle just my brother and i and jesse sprinkle his brother played drums so cool um and little tidbit, um, Josh Tillman, who is Father John Misty. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. Yes, I didn't know that actually. Yeah, That's yeah. So, nuts. Yeah, so Father John Misty played on like two songs on our first record, <laughs> um, and so it's just kind of like you know having fun, studio guys or whatever. And then, um, then we decided to tour, put together a real band, and then for Summer of the Darkness, we actually had like a, a an actual band at that point. Yeah. And, um, yeah, members kind of came and went through the years, but, um, and now it's, now it's been the same band for a long time, but yeah. at, the, at the time we had gone through some lineup changes. Um, demon, so the demon hunter self-titled record, let's talk about that for a, a few moments. So maybe looking back on it, um, 
you know, obviously you mentioned some of your influences. Where, you know, looking back on it, how do you how do you feel about that record uh, and have been played on it? Uh, yeah, I think that you know we were. You could tell that we were definitely into Slipknot. I mean, we came out the gate with like wigs on, and you didn't even know who we were. It was like, <laughs> you know, we were trying to obscure our identities, sure. like Slipknot. Um, but yeah, it was like we were so used to recording just like you know crusty metal and, and 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 punk and hardcore it was like you know we really wanted to make a slick sounding you know well-produced record and that was really the genesis of it um and yeah i'm happy with that record that record was like a big we just the band just put out like um uh vinyl of that record for the first time yeah i saw that, that looks yeah um yeah, definitely proud of it. it. It like helped, you know, it set the stage for Demon Hunter for sure. The band has evolved into something just, I think, so good, so special, you know, that we would have never like um, forecasted kind of where they're at now. And, um, you know, we didn't we didn't know what it was really. It was just like a project back then. So yeah. it's, been cool. it's been cool to see the evolution of like how important that band is to a lot of people and um yeah, it's it's it, and the band has gotten so good over the years too. I couldn't even. There's no way I could even you know play in that band now. The oh. the musicianship's great. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely like proud of that record. Um, real quick, I, I want to step back just for a second. I, when you did you bring this idea to Brandon at Tooth and Nail or Solid yeah. State, and yeah. what was it? What did he say? Oh, did he say he loved silence? it? He loved it. I mean, we I think we did like maybe two demos or something like that, um, or one. Yeah, no, and he he loved it, and you know, offered us a deal. Yeah, that's sick. That's sick. Yeah. Um. So after that record comes out, you mentioned kind of the tour. Uh, do you remember what the tour was, or the tours were were like for you? And and obviously, did was the crowd pretty big, decent size? Yeah, the crowds were huge. Um, it was Extol. Oh, I saw that tour actually. Yeah. Uh, okay. That. Yep. Yep. Extol Agony Scene. Um. Okay. I just had Peter on from Mexico. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, there's other bands, I'm sure, and I can't. Yeah, I can't remember. We, we no. talked as Murds Red and Zayo, yeah. Living Sacrifice. Yeah. Um, That's sick. But yeah, Extol was definitely on the first tour. I know that. That's rad. So that record comes out. The touring's going pretty well. When do you start kind of working on Summer of Darkness and, and kind of what's uh, do you do you think or is the influences changing a little, um, you know, kind of what's the direction of that record? Um, let's see. I'm trying to put myself in the um, the mindset of that album. It was definitely, um, you know, we were all like cleaned up and we had like, like we like had shorter hair, I think, like. That was like the you know the bootleg jean era and oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah no um trying to think what we were like super into back then I mean it was more of the same but I know that there was influences um specific there's always specific influences for every record right sure. I mean you're, there's like something you're listening to a lot of um, I think I think it was just like let's make you know, let's make a record that sounds like the last one, but hopefully is better. I mean, I think objectively, if you ask Ryan and I, in fact, we were just talking about this, that would probably be our least favorite album. I think it, I think it fits in the, it's right there in the pocket of like 
not exactly knowing who we were at the time, you know, like, yeah. who, like what, uh, just who we were as a band. I think we were sure. still, I think we were still trying to figure that out. Sure. And so uh, at this point, you guys, people know who you are, right? Obviously. And you kind of, the gimmick's gone, I yeah. guess, per yep. se. Yep. Um, how, how was that liberating? Was that something that like you, were you bound? Did you want to keep, keep it going? I mean, I know you really probably can't forever, but uh, you know. yeah. I'm glad that we just decided to kind of get rid of that thing, get rid of the the idea of hiding ourselves and just kind of come out and like, this is who we were. Um, and of course, some people were like, okay, what it's like, it's just these dudes from a hardcore band, whatever, it, you know, and we, we totally knew that that was going to, you know, potentially happen. But um, the, the overwhelming like positivity around the band and people loving the band um, was the, the catalyst to keep going, you know, sure, sure. we were getting, we were getting insane messages from people, you know, about like how it helped them through, you know, a death in the family or I, you know, was going to commit suicide and I listened wow. to the album. Like we were just like stuff that we had never really heard when we were in TFU. I mean, this band had, had meant a lot to a lot of people. So yeah, it uh, kept us going. And, um, so yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm not really an art person at all, but I just was curious, you know, did you obviously intentionally want to have the iconic art on every record? Was that yeah. kind of the goal from the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was something that we talked about from the very beginning that it, there would always be, um, some form of the logo, um, on the cover. Um, and there's other bands that have done that in the past too, but that was like, um, that was something we talked about early on. When you kind of came up with that design, like when you showed everyone, what was it? I mean, what was the reaction? Yeah, I mean, it was like, oh, it's a demon with a bullet hole through it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like perfect. Uh, and now, you know, now there's tattoos everywhere, and people so have cool. like there's like you know spray paint on the side of tanks and the army, and and it's just like on airplanes, and yeah, it's nuts. crazy. That's so. nuts. All right, so that record comes out. Um, you hit the obviously hit the road again. What what was the touring like for that one? Do you remember? I don't know. It's probably been forever, but Summer of Darkness tour. Yeah, we did a tour for every album. Um, gosh, I do not know. I feel like that was was that Haste Today maybe or? Oh yes, yeah, I think it was Haste Today. Yep. I do um, remember saying that. It might have been August Burns Red as well. Yeah, uh, my, my beat. I, sh I should know this stuff, but yeah, Haste Today tour with us for sure. Um. That tour specifically, again, like the shows were pretty big. Like it was, you know, we'd kind of like, I think the the first time we went to LA as, you know, as Demon Hunter, it was just like, it was insane we, that you couldn't even walk in the club. That's nuts. We, we had not, we had not experienced anything like that. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a whole new ball game. I think we did two tours in a van and then once the triptych came, we were in a bus. So like we, yeah, at that wow. point, the band was big enough to tour in a bus after the third record, and um, or at at the third record. So did you? This is kind of an odd question, but like I know being a Christian band on the you know believer yeah. label or Christian yeah, label, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the what was it like? Uh, you know, in the secular world for you guys, were you getting respect? Were you getting hate? Like what, what was that kind of like? I think there's always going to be like um, a few people that are just going to automatically, you know, roll their eyes at some at a band called Demon Hunter or, you know, if it's, you know, a Christian metal band. But just in general, it's been overwhelmingly positive from every 
like most bands and and um you know they've we we had guest vocals from you know max cavalera to howard incredible you know, yeah i mean uh you know uh the singer for soil work was on our album. Like the guys are friends with it in flames. And you know, it's even, you know, meeting the machine head guys and all those, all so many bands respect demon hunter, which is really, really cool. And, you know, that's always been our goal with, with just as, just as artists, it's just, we just want to make the best stuff we possibly can. Yeah. And it's not like we're coming at it from like a Christian perspective of like, you know, this, you know, we don't want to be relegated to just like Christian, sure. You know, you just want to be um, a rock and roll band, and you yeah, know, you happen to believe in God or you yeah. know Jesus, and that's the goal. The goal was just to be good, and um, we ended up getting a lot of respect from our peers, which is just Love like that. I, that's icing on the cake. Absolutely, um, man, that's yeah. incredible. That's yeah. so cool. Sweet. So you mentioned the Triptych record. Let's kind of talk about that one and kind of what. Uh, came into that one was uh, was that something that um, you know you continued on that path and, and just maybe more aggressive more polished overall or was it you know I guess maybe shock me through that yeah it was a little bit more so uh, triptych means three it's like a, I think the term triptych the definition is like three pieces of art or something like that and so it was our third record uh, we had three different album covers definitely upped the metal on that record because that's the first record where we uh, had like a, a a good guitar player that could do solos. <laughs> so like <laughs> Ethan Ethan Luck uh, was our guitar player at the time and he was, you know, writing solos and we felt like, okay, we upped our skill level. We, we came to like compete with, you know, some of the bigger bands. Um, uh, at the time, kind of the new American wave of thrash with Kill Switch and Shadows Fall sure. and Lam Lamb of God, you know, those bands were huge. And so the Triptych was our big, I think it, to this day, it might still be our biggest record because that that era of metal was so huge. Um, yeah. And um, we had this crazy elaborate photo shoot with like a snake and stuff. It was just like, you know, we just like upped, we just turned everything sure. way up, you know. Sure. Um, uh so yeah that and that one i think the songs in that one are really great um and i think storm the gates of hell is even better actually than that one and then after storm the gates of hell it gets really good i feel like demon hunter <laughs> honestly with my with my exit the band just run my brother got some really amazing musicians in the band to um be a great partner with his amazing uh ability to write songs yeah. um whereas i felt like i've always been um i i'm not capable of being that kind of writing partner to him like where it's like you're gonna come up with the melodies and like the lyrics and all this stuff and i'm gonna write these insane like solos and stuff like i can't i never could do that we were we could we're both pretty good at coming up with riffs um but I think since since I left, like Patrick and Jeremiah are just really amazing partners, like to him and what his strengths are. So, um, yeah. So, anyways, the triptych was like Demon Hunter on, you know, totally turned up. Do you are looking back on it? Do you? I mean, this. How do you feel about it, that record now? Yeah, I love it. I love that album. Yeah. I mean, there's some. I'm always gonna like cringe at some songs that I wrote or whatever, <laughs> but like, 
I think that like there's some great there's some great stuff on there. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that you know that record comes out. You obviously hit the road as well. How is the tour for that? Is that even bigger than the the previous? Yeah, that tour was huge. Let's see. I want to say we went out with like. I know Spoken was on one of the uh, was one of the bands on that tour. Um, gosh, yeah, that tour. I mean, honestly, all the tours have been pretty successful after since the band started. I mean, like they've so cool. If you if you ask the band now, I mean, if you ask my brother now, I think there has been like ups and downs in in terms of turnouts in some areas, but. Um, yeah, no, that's it's just been steady. Yeah, it's been, yeah. it's, you know, we, we, we say that Demon Hunter is like a lifestyle band, meaning like, you know, people get the tattoo, they show their kids the music, the kids, you know, show their kids. <laughs> it's like, that's awesome. It's almost like, I think it's almost like on a third generation now because it, the band's been around for 23 years. That's so, nuts. Yeah. Um, insane. Yeah. Well, uh, so that that obviously that tour goes pretty well, obviously, and then you start working on Storm, the Gates of Hell. Um, let's talk about that record, kind of your thoughts on that as well, and then also, do you start? Is this where your mind starts to say, "Hey, it's it's time to kind of bow out"? And I know you had started Invisible by this point, but it just yeah. uh, is that kind of was this kind of your in your mind? This is gonna be my swan song. Yeah, let's see. I, I yeah, that tour, I was definitely like. Okay, I have two little kids. Um, I was we were on the road for eight weeks, which oh. was it was just too long, and it was it was time to hang it up. I was like really focusing on my career at that point. Um, you know, I'm reading books on architecture in the bus, and I'm just like, you know, I'm just getting I'm just getting into like this next phase of my life as a dad, and and really taking Invisible Creature serious, and so. Um, the tour was awesome. Everything was great, but uh, I just felt like it was time. In fact, when I got back from that tour, my son, Cash, who was two at the time, he wasn't, uh, before I left, he he wasn't talking much at all. And then when I got back, he opened the door and he's like, dad. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, it's, right, time, it's time to come it's home. Time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then ironically, you know, he's, I, we play music together now, but um, the, yeah, it was just time for me to hang it up. So I took like 15 years off of music and I like um didn't look back. I hung I hung up the guitar and everything until Cash got into playing music himself and then he's the one that brought me back into the fold and I'm like um I'm having a blast. I did miss it, you know, but yeah, I, I was missed ask you, I, did you, yeah, yeah. I missed it. Yeah, I did. I missed playing with like, you know, friends and, and, and my brother and my, you know, the, playing with my son has been just like the, you know, dream come true. So, um, yeah, we're working on new stuff, working on a new TFU album, working on stuff beyond that. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun, but the 15 years that I took off, I would just was dedicated to, uh, you know, my, my new, my company as a designer and, you know, being a dad, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I'm going to uh, take a step back and just on, the storm the gates of hell. Just your thoughts on that record, kind of looking back on that. Um, I'm, you know, like I said, yeah. Do you, I I know you mentioned earlier that you phoned it in. Do you feel like you on that at all, or were you just like I'm going to break the best record? No, that I can. was no. We were that one. I'm really proud of. That's probably my favorite. That's definitely my favorite Demon Hunter record that um, I was on. Uh, I wrote, you know, my brother and I wrote that together. The riffs, I think, are 
the best riffs at that time. That you know, I think the songs are the best that we had put out. Um, and we we also brought in our friend Sean Lopez, um, who's in that band Crosses. Oh, and, was yeah. he in Far? Yeah. He was in Far. Yep. And we always loved his guitar tone, and so we brought him in to like just really help us dial the tone. Um, so yeah, that's. I'm definitely proud of that record. And my last show was at Cornerstone um, Festival on main stage, you wow. know, kind of a crap load yeah. of people. So, yeah, That's I mean, incredible. yeah. What's a, 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 I know you just mentioned that's probably your favorite record. That is that your favorite record you played on completely of, of all time? And maybe what's your favorite song that you've ever written? Oh, gosh. Um, that record for sure is probably what I'm most proud of. Um, I wrote a lot of the uh, of sixteen. That song sixteen on that album. Yeah. Um, the way that my brother and I wrote, though, is that we kind of wrote songs together a lot of times. I mean, he we would also write full songs, but there's a lot of the songs that I love where it's like, oh, you know, I that riff is something I came up with, but then he added that, and it's just better, and vice versa. So. With Demon Hunter, I always said that he's Batman and I'm Robin. <laughs> that's, that's that's like that's definitely how it is, uh, how it was in the band, um, and it worked really well. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Um, I want to talk. Let's talk about Invisible Creature real quick. Um, so I, I know when you mentioned how kind of music came in your life, when, and the the art. I guess let's go back and ask when when did art kind of start to kind of materialize in your mind? I guess. Obviously, I'm assuming as a kid, and then once once that's completed, like how Invisible Creature, Asterisk ended, you start this kind of what what's your goal for this? Or like you know, obviously working with bands, but then other things, other avenues yeah. as well. So I guess yeah, maybe answer that. Yeah. So Asterisk, we kind of had a mutual split. My partner and I, Dimitri, they were uh, so half half the company was doing like websites. This is like the beginning of. You know, I mean, honestly, we were doing sites before MySpace was around. So we, we were doing a lot of band websites and band albums. And so Dimitri was uh, interactive designer and, you know, I was an illustrator or print designer. And so um, we decided to go part our way, part ways. I wanted to start more of just an overall design studio where we there was no rules. You know, we could make design anything we wanted to objects furniture, pa you know, packaging, toys, and, you know, without the, without kind of having to go through, you know, uh, studio meetings and approval sure. and stuff, I we just, I just want to do whatever I want to do. And so um, we mutually split apart. Ryan and I became Invisible Creature. They started a new studio called Wonderful Union that lasted a couple of years. And yeah, I see. We still did a ton of albums in the very beginning. Um, in fact, like Foo Fighters and Alice in Chains and and uh, Kendrick Lamar and a lot of those bigger albums were Invisible Creature in 2006, 2007, 2008. Um, and then, yeah, we started getting jobs with like larger corporations um, like Target and Nike and, you know, illustration work that like, I saw, I saw a stamp a couple years ago and I was like, yeah. that looks like invisible creature. And I like yeah. Googled it and I was like, Oh my God, that's yeah. nuts. Stamps. It's been really, yeah, we're so blessed, dude. Like the whole, our whole path that we've been able to take has just been um, incredible. It's been incredible. And I, we never take it for granted and it's just so special. So yeah. Um, 
so yeah, it, it's it's you know you do one project with Target, and then someone else sees it, and then they want to work with you, and then it, it just kind of we've never like pitched for a job. We just still okay. you know it's word of mouth and get emails, and um, I'm working on another set of stamps right now for the post office, and yeah, I I feel very fortunate that my style has evolved and my passions have evolved, but like the work has stayed steady in, in, in different ways, which has been like really cool. I, I, you know, I haven't had one style that I've worked in for 20 some years. It's just kind of been a, a slow progression and I'll experiment in certain styles. And, um, it's, it's been cool. And a lot of people have been there along the entire way, you know, like following yeah. what we've been doing. Um, so yeah, I just feel like a, uh, I feel very lucky. That's awesome. Um, what uh, what do you pre- what's your favorite thing to do uh, art wise? Like, do you prefer doing record covers? Do you prefer, you know, doing books, toys? Like, what 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 are your some of your favorites? Yeah, um, I don't do a lot of records anymore. We still do a lot of stuff with Alice in Chains. We do a lot of uh, my brother does a lot of like the box sets that the re releases now that are really special. Um, we don't get asked to do a lot of albums anymore. I think that that ship has sailed a little bit because the budgets are much smaller and it's been um you know it's it's the playing field was level there's a lot of folks doing album covers now yeah. um uh my favorites st- i mean books are very very fulfilling they're very tedious to work on i i i've done a, a handful of them i'm working on one now um when you get them and you hold them in your hand it's there's nothing like it but I during, bet. The, the process has been is slightly difficult for me. I believe um, it. Um, I love designing toys, um, objects. Those are probably my favorite things to design. Um, they don't, they're definitely not the things that make the most money here. I mean, commercial art and illustration is like what pays the bills, but um, I love, I love kind of working on our own things, uh, whether it's like a, you know, a toy or like a, you know, a pencil set that we did a couple of years ago. That kind of stuff is super cool. fun. That's yeah. awesome. My my wife and I got the um, greatest story I ever told book. Oh, uh, nice, nice. Yeah, I loved it. We bought it Thank for you. some friends of ours as well. Thank you, dude. Thought it was so. Um, it's incredible. My, in fact, my wife, uh, you know, I've been into music all, and she's into music, but not as obviously in the sure. same realm as me. And she saw, I showed her one day, and she's like, "That's um, we have to order that right now." <laughs> like that. And I just Thank thought you. It was, you know, that says a lot, you know, for someone yes. who's not doesn't know who you guys are and doesn't know that whole world. And she's just like, "This is." unbelievable and it's like man it was so cool to get it in we but and it, you know what's even funnier we both ordered it for each other for christmas and didn't tell each other <laughs> and so awesome. we wound up giving one to another fit but it, that's what happened it really was hysterical that was but. i mean that project was so fun so special that publisher crossway they have been so good to me they've given me creative freedom to do almost anything i want on that in that book and um, it was a true labor of love. I poured over every page. And honestly, the, the reason I took the gig is I ha- I didn't see anything like that in the marketplace now. Like there wasn't something um, that looked like that now. I mean, I have a lot of like vintage children's Bibles that are beautiful, but you know, so many of the, I think children's Bibles kind of talk down to kids and they paint Jesus as like a, you know, fluffy teddy bear yeah. or whatever. I, you know, I wanted it to be something that, um, would evoke some conversation and dialogue between parents and kids and even just like just adults reading scripture for for the first time. Um, So yeah, and Crossway's 
they loved it so much that they're putting out sweet, you know, suite of products based on it, and there's more that's stuff awesome. coming too. So yeah, yeah, that's uh, awesome. That's got to be gratifying for sure. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, training for Utopia, uh, a new record, and I, I kind of wanted to talk about the Furnace Fest reunion, maybe how yeah. that kind of came into into you know your your worlds and and kind of what the the future looks like for that band. Yeah, so uh, Demon Hunter played Furnace Fest last year, and my son and I uh, went, and it was awesome. It was his first time at a festival, so he was like, you know, blown away. And um, and it's funny, we got we got back from there, and then I ordered a SG guitar afterwards. It was my first guitar I've ever ordered like in 20 years, and I was like, just stoked to be playing with him and we just got excited about music and then we get offered to play like a month later from Unbelievable. like i was like dude you should play with us like you oh totally that's so awesome so i talked to my brother my brother's totally into it and then we like we find the other guys through facebook we hadn't talked to them in so long wow and they were into it and we yeah dude we they played the uh the guys came out in june Flew down here. First time we'd seen them in forever. We played for a couple of days. It sounded great. Um, and then all of us practiced all year long on our own. And then, um, yeah, played two sack. Or sorry, we played Seattle and Portland as like practice shows before, and it was a blast. It was like a summer to remember. And then so that got us like excited for new stuff. Ryan wrote out on parole that newer song, and it was just it was a great like. Um, uh, window into what TFU I think would be now, which is much more like, uh, more like unsane or like yeah. a little, more, little bit more groovy, or grooving, and would have actual some a little bit of structure. You know, no one like when we were doing all the chaotic, crazy hardcore stuff. I mean, other bands took it and just ran with it. Like, look at Norma Jean; they just went insane. Yep. And so, like, we we've always kind of wanted forge our own path a little bit. So I think um, the new rec, yeah, we're going to do a new record and I think it'll be much more along the lines of like out on parole and, um, yeah. and it's a, it's a, it's a cool outlet musically too for my brother, where demon hunter is very like professional and serious and TFU is a little bit more silly. Um, and we can kind of like, you know, um, be a little bit more tongue in cheek or irreverent with that band. So sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. But yeah, um, we're definitely going to work on another album. Are you going to put that out yourself or label? You don't know. Yeah, we're talking about that. Uh, my brother has a label that Demon Hunter is released through now. It could come out on that or or maybe Solid State. We're trying to – we're talking through all that stuff now. That's cool. That's exciting, man. Yeah. Is your son going to be playing on the record or is he just playing in the live no, I think he, I definitely think he'll play on the record. Um, it's funny. He, he keeps – like the other day, he, he's like, so, Dad, am I actually in the band or am I playing? <laughs> I'm like, dude – I was like, I go think, clean your room. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Um, he's definitely, definitely a part of it, and um, that's really cool. Yeah, it's cool because the other guys are super into it. And my brother's into it, so. Um, and I said that in the beginning. I'm like, hey, I don't want to assume that like my son can play in the band. They were, all, they were all like, dude, bring it on. So. That's really cool. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Sweet, man. Well, I know you can't uh, predict the future, but I just want to know uh, what does the future look like for you? I know you kind of just uh, delved in, into the uh, music aspect and whatnot, but just maybe uh, predict the future for me. 
Yeah, it's hard to predict the future, but I will say that after 23 years, I am um, I am looking for you know new and exciting things to pursue creatively. Um, so there are some things I'm working on. I can't really talk about that that sure. right now. That people will see uh, soon. But I am, yeah. I'm not, pivot's not the right word. I'm very thankful for the stuff that I get to work on, but um, I think it's a new chapter for me a little bit, and I, I'm excited to kind of see, um, you know, what what life is like in in that chapter, basically. So. Um, yeah, still creative, still artistic, but not necessarily the same stuff that I've been doing. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's exciting, man. Yeah. Dude, thank you so much for your time. This has been no such problem. a cool conversation. It's uh, you know, I've been a fan of what you've done over the, you know, the past twenty three plus I guess longer than yeah, that. And so it's great. just an honor for you to come on and oh, thanks, spend some yeah. time with me and, and kind of tell me uh your story. So Yeah, anytime, I, dude. Awesome. I really appreciate it, man. And I uh, hope to talk, hopefully see you in person again sometime soon. Yeah. Let me know when this comes out, too. I'll drop it on the socials and stuff. Will do, buddy. Yeah. All right, man. I'll talk All right, to thanks, you soon. Man. Okay. Right. Bye-bye. Hey, thank you to the listener for tuning in. Um, I really couldn't do it without you, so I really appreciate the support. If you'd like to add me on Instagram and Facebook at the rumors of true cast. If you'd like to like and subscribe, you know, the drill. Thank you to Don Clark. Uh, what an awesome conversation. Uh, really, really appreciate your time. Really cool to have met you and, and just be a part of this story. So thank you, Don. Uh, amazing artists on the horizon, man. I'm just so blessed to do this. So thank you again, guys. And you know, nostalgia, it's still a heck of a drug. 